Welcome back, retro movie lovers. Time to take your uh, caps and gowns, throw the caps up in there. It's graduation time. That's right. The 1980s movie graveyard has graduated to the big time with the podcast ratings. We couldn't do it without all our faithful friends and listeners, could we, Corey? No. You know, ironically, I didn't go to my graduation. Really? Why not? What? My graduation. Well, I mean, I graduated, but right. like, and this is a true story. This is a shoot. My uh, graduation took place the same time that Encino Man had opened. Mm. So me and my friends went to see Encino Man rather than go to our graduation. I must say that's a fine motion picture. So I think we were better off. I agree with that. Then then I just went a week later up to the school and got my diploma. Okay, that was going to be my next question. Yeah. I remember remember when I got, you know, when I did my graduation, it was just in the... You know, I, I went to a you know a somewhat smaller school. I think my graduating class was probably a hundred kids or something like that. Um, I remember afterwards, like you know, they gave you the diploma, but then they also like I got like some I got like two laminated like mini diplomas. I guess to carry in my wallet to like show people I graduated oh. high school. Like never once does anybody like even when you go to get a job or something like that. I've never had anyone like want like proof of your diploma. Have you? <laughs> I would have kept it if I got pulled over and a cop says, you know, let me see your identification. I'd show my diploma. <laughs> like, I graduated, motherfucker. You work for me, you civil servant. That's right. So, yeah, so, I mean, graduation, you know, this is the time, you know, the week that we're recording this. Every, You know, pretty much all the schools are having their graduations, high schools and colleges. So, you know, we figured we'd pick a movie that was actually all about graduation from high school you know a coming of age tale if you will when you say this movie is sadly my favorite graduation movie i don't think was i think was 90 mm. what that's was it? the great if looks could kill yeah i think you are right about that i think that was either 90 or 91 so real early 90s that's my favorite movie because you know it starts where he's graduating and his diploma said you didn't graduate, which is pretty dick move on the principal part. You know, I mean, I know this comes up on every show. If only we had a place where we could talk about 90s movies. But I think with all this overflowing of support and just everybody getting behind us and downloading the show, we might be able to make that happen. We might be able to find a place. You know, maybe we can find an old movie. Would it be cool, Corey, if we could find an old movie theater that's, like, closed down and we could clean it up and then, like, we could, like, watch the movies in there and do our podcast from there? That would be great. There's actually, and I'm not even joking, there's an abandoned movie theater not too far from where I grew up. Oh, we got to scope that up. (laughs) Yeah, it's, like, straight up abandoned. I think, like, after the last gang shooting there that they, like, you know, just... Like, no one came to work anymore. <laughs> well, I'll go to Home Depot and get us a couple shovels and, you know, brooms and dustpans and stuff. We'll see if we can get that place at least inhabitable so we can put up a podcast studio in one of the, you know, the screening rooms over there. We do that Revenge of the Nerds montage where they fix up the whole thing. Yeah, like two months of, like, house restoration you can get done in four minutes if you just do a montage. That's right. And have a robot helping you. Yeah, we do need a robot. That is true. But yeah, today we'll be talking about the 80s. I would say this is kind of, you know, considering who stars in it and stuff. I think this movie's starting to become a bit of a cult classic. I've heard some people talking about it lately. The funny thing is, is it? but it, it, and tell me if I'm crazy, if you mention this movie to somebody, even if they're fans of the people that are in it, 90% of them have no idea what this movie is. Yeah, it's weird. We're talking about, I believe it's 1986, might be a little bit earlier because, you know, 
stuff sometimes gets shot, comes out later, but we're talking about the Charlie Sheen starring, the Maxwell Caulfield starring, The Boys Next Door. Welcome to the exciting world of the movies. Smoking is not permitted in this auditorium. It's the law. Yeah, I, like I, I don't know. I was a huge fan of this movie. Like, I saw this movie a bunch of times on cable as a kid, and uh, you know, it, I like, I don't know. It was one of my favorite movies as a kid because something about it. And we'll get into it when we start the movie here in a second. But this whole movie feels like a bad dream, doesn't it, Corey? It kind of does. I can actually relate to the Charlie Sheen character a little bit in it. Well, right. back then I would, you know, like as senior I could have, what without the mass murder, but you know, <laughs> yeah. But yeah, we're going to go and get it started. If you're out there and you have the Anchor Bay DVD and you're following along, uh, we'll give you some sync instruction shares. If not, just listen to us talk about this awesome movie. We have it paused. But that's the, that's the, let me stress this to new listeners. And that That's the beauty of this. If you don't have the movie, you, you don't need to follow along. You can listen to this anywhere because we, 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 you, you don't need to follow along if you don't have the movie. If you do, of course, it's a lot of fun, but it's not a requirement like on some of those commentary shows. Right, right. Like, like you know, we we try to liven it up, and we do go off topic. So, I mean, th- let's be honest. This is this is more us talking while a movie's playing. Although, you know, like I started wondering after a while because I didn't think anybody really like followed along with the movie as we did it. And I was like, well, maybe we can just drop these sync instructions because we have to do them on every show. And, you know, it's a bit this is the only tedious part of doing the show. Honestly, I don't like. But I did see some people commenting on Facebook um, from actually. Actually, I think it was a private resort one. Uh, somebody did. But so some people do follow along. So bear with us while we sync this up. If, if you don't have the DVD, and you probably don't because it's, it's probably hard to find at this point because nobody sells DVDs anymore. <laughs> no, no. I got mine on Amazon. Amazon Amazon should pay me for as much plugging as they do. They them. Uh, and I only paid, I think, like eight bucks for it. You can probably yeah. get a used one right around in there. But, yeah, I think it's just Anchor Bay. I think it's the only people that put it out. Yeah, that's the only the horrible Photoshop cover. Yeah, it does have a horrible Photoshop cover. <laughs> But anyway, we have a pause on the New World Pictures logo, which is 15 seconds in. It's like a red globy thing. We actually, we don't a shitload of New World Pictures movies. Our last movie that we covered, Punisher, was New World Pictures, right? Yeah. Yeah. Um, I know we, uh, for another show, which we're going to redo here, Cat Out of the Bag, Tough Turf, that was New World. Yeah. I think we've done at least. And I know when we clean out that abandoned movie theater, we will be doing Heathers, which is New World, so... Oh, that's one of my favorite movies. Me too, cousin. All right, so we got it paused on the New World Pictures logo here. A red uh, globish looking logo here. It says New World Pictures underneath in white font. I'm going to say one, two, three, go. And when I say go, hit play on your DVD remote or on your portable DVD player if you have one of those. All right, everybody. One, two, three, go. All right, here we go with the normal pictures. Now, there's a little bit I can see moving a little bit, Corey, but this this new world pictures logo didn't have as much a wobble as the Punisher one. <laughs> no, and I like this uh, these co- like almost like cold case credits here, where it's just yeah. showing 
different serial killers throughout. The th- it's kind of like if Watchmen would have been about serial killers instead of superheroes. Exactly. Like they start out with the opening credits over a montage of photos. And it's actually really cool. Um, the producers uh, insisted that the director put this in. This was like an afterthought. They didn't originally plan this. But I'm glad they did because when you say that this opening, like credits and like, like they're showing the son of Sam, Hillside Strangler, talking about how many people they killed. And then like there's a voiceover of like police officers and like a killer guy and then even some victims talking, like little sound bites. Like I'll tell you what, for some low budget, you know, mid eighties shit. This is actually some effective filmmaking right here. Yeah. Now Maxwell Caulfield was actually primed to be a big star after this until he did grease too. I do believe. No, it was actually the flip side. Cause he did grease too. Cause he was trying to make a big push into the U S movies. He did grease too. Everybody thought it'd be a star. It flopped. His career went so bad like that. He like, he couldn't get any work. I think he said for two years. So he did this movie as kind of like a big fuck you because he didn't really make any money for this, you know, and he just wanted to play, you know, not a heartthrob type character. I like Grease too better than Grease. I love both Grease, so I'm not gonna I'm not gonna throw shade on my man John Travolta. I don't like Grease. I, I don't like it at all. I love Grease. Nah, I'm not a fan. All right, I'm gonna pop something here, cousin. But what are you drinking? I got some San Pellegrino Italian Tradition Limonata, 18% lemon juice, sparkling lemon beverage. Because this shit's so fancy. Beautiful. I love that stuff. I, yeah, I got to take the little foil off the top before I can even pop yeah. it open. Yeah, it's like the champagne of water. <laughs> it is. And did you notice, like, the mouth on it is, like, a lot thinner than, like, a soda can head? Yeah. Yeah, I like those a lot. Mm. They're kind of expensive. I think it was like five bucks for a six pack, but in hindsight, a, I think it's worth it. This is a this is a high class show here. <laughs> I'm sipping with my pinky out. That damn right. <laughs> Limonada, as the credits are telling us about Henry Lee Lucas, <laughs> who, yes, who just murdered as I 180 said, prostitutes and hobos. <laughs> just as I said, high class. I see the name Penelope Spears, yeah. the director of Wayne's World, and. Uh, uh, decline of the Western Civilization, one, two, three. I actually think she's one of the best directors of the 80s, if you look at her, her early movies. The 90s, she got more into, you know, she, did, she you know, Wayne's World is good for what it is, but it's a studio movie, you know. She made some money. That was the movie I showed Christian last week, High School High. Oh, yeah. Because I remember Tia Carrera was in that, and so was that guy named Ann Fernie. Okay, <laughs> yeah. Now, now here we go, Maxwell Caulfield. You know, after this chilling, and it it did set the mood good. You know, because even had that scary music over the opening credits of like, doo, 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 yeah. You know, and he, and here we have uh, Maxwell Caulfield drawing a chalk outline around Charlie Sheen. You think this is a murder scene, but it turns out it's just two kids playing a prank. They they drew the 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 chalk outline on the front of their school, and uh, I wonder if this was the night before, like a couple hours before school opened. But now the daytime opens and everybody at the school is like, you know, the rumors are already flying about who was the dead guy. <laughs> I, I, I give Maxwell Caulfield this this debonair British dude credit. He he plays the part of a unstable, you know, fucking hick pretty good. He actually really does. And like you can't tell it at first until later in the movie, like when he changes his shirt and stuff like the dude's pretty actually jacked. 
Yeah, the only thing I'm going against him here is he looks 37 and he's graduating from high school. Yeah, he was much older. Charlie Sheen is actually, I believe, uh, 19 when they filmed this movie. And like he looks kind of older, too, I think. A little bit, but he he's still passed for a high schooler. Yeah. I like how they're both wearing jeans and white t-shirts and everybody else is all prepped up. Yeah, and they're like under t-shirts. that You know what I mean? Like They're like the t-shirts that you buy three in a pack. You know what I mean? Maxwell Coffin just strikes me as so see look at him. He's like even Yeah, he, he clearly looks like Dean Ambrose's grandfather in this movie. <laughs> <laughs> Got to shake Dean Ambrose's hand a few weeks back at Raw. That was awesome. Yes, he did. Well we'll get into that in a little bit. We both had some wrestling experiences recently since our last episode. Yeah. So like I think in a way, though, I think there are geniuses for doing the uh, chalk outline prank, but then Charlie Sheen made, like, that weird fart duck noise, and then the principal knew it was them. Yeah. So I feel like they kind of, you know, like, the whole point was to kind of create an urban legend type thing. Now, I, I gotta mention, you know, this is, like, their last day of school. Um, you know, this boring old history teacher dude is, like, basically giving them a, you know, he's like, oh, you'll go out the rest of your lives and I'll remember you and all this stuff. And, and these two are in the back making, like, jerking off gestures. Why do you think they threw in this stereo... There's a kid in the class, people haven't seen the movie, that might... He starts throwing out some wisecracks, and it's, like, a really stereotypically gay kid. Why do you think they, like, put that in there? Because, I mean, this is the 1980s where, let's be honest, like, it wasn't politically correct, so they like, they would make fun of gay people in movies back then. It was funny to make fun of gay people back then. We covered that. Yeah, like it was like the like actually not only would I say it was funny, but like to some people or like some filmmakers, it was like the height of whatever. But this is actually a woman filmmaker, so that and that really shocked me that she put the stereotypical gay. And the stereotypical you want to talk about Maxwell Caulfield being thirty seven, uh, cousin. The stereotypical gay character was so old he was wearing a hairpiece. Okay, well that's true. But <laughs> Did you I mean, notice Caulfield? That? That might have just been a bad haircut. <laughs> yeah, it was awfully stiff. That girl there, she's hot, but she looks like she's in her 30s, too. Yeah. Okay, who's better, Charlie Sheen or Emilio Estevez? Oh, that's so tough. You know what? Charlie I'm going to go with Emilio because he's made a couple movies that are real high on my list. See, Charlie was my favorite actor for a long, long time. And, and Emilio was my favorite, too. I think initially Emilio was my favorite and then Charlie was my favorite. But I got to get the edge to Emilio because he also directs. Yeah. And they both kind of disappeared at the same time. Mm-hmm. I actually just watched an interview this past week with Emilio where he made a, uh, you know, directed a... The independent film in Cincinnati, and um, he was he was like raving about how he's going to move to Cincinnati and over the Rhine, which is actually the worst area of Cincinnati, <laughs> and he's going to bring it back to life and shoot all these movies there and all like it was very strange because also the the thing that I saw it was him at the Sundance Festival talking about it. And it was like, it was clearly somebody from the Cincinnati Film Commission, because it was like the unedited version of the interview, you know what I mean? So like the lady was telling him like, talk more about this, talk more about that. Like she was telling him what to say in the interview. I'm going to move to this shithole and make it, because no one will want to film here, so we'll do it on the cheap. (laughs) Coming first for my production company, Men at Work 2. You know what, I would actually pay money to see that. 
I I donate to a Kickstarter. I was a, I like Men at Work a lot. <laughs> I still remember now that it's flooding back me. I still remember going to see it with my friends at the theater. Yeah, I saw it in the theater too. It was pretty fucking empty when I went and yeah, saw it, it but <laughs> I got the DVD. Yeah, it's one of the few Charlie Emilio projects I don't have. I gotta get the DVD. Now Maxwell Caulfield, I really like these two scenes intercut. Maxwell Caulfield is like talking to like the Marines recruiter, which you think the Marines is like where a psycho guy would want to go, especially a psycho guy that's like all buffed up, you know? Yeah. But he it, he's like actually making fun of the Marine recruiter to his face, kind of, ain't he? A little bit. He's just like a smart ass. Right, right. Whereas Charlie Sheen, like you think there's a part of him that wants to be kind of light, kind of normal, so to speak. Yeah, because Charlie Sheen is over here on the lunch tables trying to um, trying to talk to some girls who are talking about a party at a kid's na- house named Joe, and he's he's like butting in, you know, what time is it at Joe's? And she's like, uh, it's invitation only, like being snobby. And he's like, well, how do you get there? What are the directions? Like he he can't take a hint. No, he's just a fucking hayseed too, I think. Mm. No, I mean we'll get into it here in a second, but I think this movie is actually really smart in what it does and i've actually kind of seen this myself is there if you look at the movie like this the when they were at school there during that day they're actually the like in all seriousness like they're actually the best looking guys in the school so you think they would be the most popular and like get girls and stuff but because they have those hanes three pack t-shirts on like i wouldn't yeah. go as much that i like we're seeing charlie sheen's house here now i mean yeah, it's clearly a normal house yeah like, i it's wouldn't not, like... say they're poor i mean the maxwell caulfield is a little bit because he lives in a trailer but like they're not really even poor enough to get made fun of for being poor i don't think it's just Sheen would be middle class if, if anything yeah I mean, Sheen, you know, if he went to the Gap, he spent his $200 graduation money there to go to the Gap and buy one of those fancy vests. He could easily have fit in with uh, Johnny Depp in private resort. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, Oh, and he would have done better than Rob Morrow. He would have stole that movie. He would. But, yeah, but, you know, the two best-looking guys in school, just because they wear plain white T-shirts, they're like the outcasts. And that's actually kind of how school is. Like, when you look at it, like, sometimes the most popular girls really weren't the prettiest girls in school. You remember that? No, by no means. Yeah. So I think this movie is actually kind of realistic and smart in doing that. You know what I mean? It's like I, they, and then... Oh, go ahead. No, I was just saying, it's, it's just like they either didn't know how to or they didn't want to play the popularity game at school. That's I don't think, in, in Caulfield's case, I don't think he knew how. I think yeah. he was just so introverted. Yeah, he's kind of like... You know, so Sheen's kind of simple too. I think. Yeah, I think Sheen is just, you know, I think Sheen's more of the mischievous prankster. Like, I think he was the one who came up with that little chalk shit. You know. What was Sheen's breakthrough hit? It was uh, was it Wall Street or was it um, Platoon? I want to say if you really I think, think it's of Platoon, it, isn't it? As far as like his breakout hit that like got him considered a good actor it was platoon but in terms of just like people noticing him, i think people start noticing him in red dawn in all actuality like that's when that's red dawn is like when people are like okay martin sheen's got a son who's acting you know what i mean i, I like red dawn to I this day it. i really like it the remake is horrible yeah the remake's very pc bullshit now now here we are they crash the party at joe's and 
it's a square party, but it doesn't seem that bad of a party because when the party scene started here, they showed a guy who had a giant plastic mosquito or, or fly on his face. That was pretty wacky to do. Yeah, party. and they're all drinking. They got a pool. And to be fair, they are all preppy fuckers here, but they're actually listening to a whole Cramps album here because, like, when the scene starts, ain't nothing but a gorehound is playing, and then I think the second song is like the expotent or love or whatever. So they're mm-hmm. actually listening to the cramps. Like they might be preppy looking, but you know they're listening to some punk rock, some decent punk rock. And I think and like she tries to fit in. Yeah, he's like joking and stuff. Like they actually crawled through the bushes literally to get to the party, so their their white t shirts are now stained with grass and shit. I'm just trying to figure why they wanted to go so bad. Yeah, I think just because all the girls are there. Really, Sheen wanted to go because he, he, you know, he's the hots for this girl. And, like, that one guy that came out, the kind of olive skin guy, his name's actually Grant Heslov. Like, you might notice him. He always had bit parts in movies. Like, like I think he was, like, had a bit part in True Lies or something. He was, like, a fail. I wouldn't say failed, but he was just a very tiny, small role actor. But he was friends with George Clooney. So when George Clooney made it big, then he started producing movies. And he actually, this 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 nerdy guy, he'll pop up again later, the little skinny, nervous guy with curly hair. He actually won an Oscar for producing Argo. I won't lie to you. I never saw Argo, and I also won't lie to you. I don't like True Lies. I don't either. It's the I think it's it's boring. I think it's got that whole Jamie Lee Curtis subplot is 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 just stupid. It dragged See, on that, the movie. That's my favorite part of the movie. To be really? Because because when I rewatched it, I thought the whole action scene with Arnold and the jet plane was kind of stupid. To be honest with you, uh, I just, just the only part about the movie I liked was Tom Arnold. I kind of like sleazy Bill Paxton. I'll be honest, trying to and he was okay, but now. I would have had if I were to remake True Lies, my the part of Bill Paxton would be played by Joey Ryan. Really, like he would be putting the baby oil on and stuff, and he'd be putting the lollipop in his pants and everything. See, here here's the guy Grant Hasloff again. He popped over the curly hair. He's very he, he was he had the face to be like a good Pee Wee Herman type actor, but he just like I don't know. He just always wanted to play a boring nerd. Doesn't Pee Wee Herman have a new movie out? Well, if you consider something that you can only view on Netflix streaming a movie, then sure. Oh, okay. <laughs> kind of like didn't how the... Adam Sandler has a new movie coming out here in a couple of weeks on Netflix. Yeah, he's got a lot of stuff working on Netflix there. He does. Now, here, here's kind of the part where um, Charlie Sheen, by the way, Charlie Sheen, his name in the movie is Bo, and uh, Maxwell Caulfield, his name is uh, Roy, and... Um, Charlie Sheen just goes up to try to get this girl's autograph because, you know, you sign people's yearbook, but he don't even have a yearbook or whatever. So he just has her sign like a notepad. <laughs> yeah, I mean... And, 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 like, the running joke is she always thinks his name is Bob. And then Maxwell Caulfield comes up all drunk because him and Charlie Sheen were drinking out of a Jack Daniels bottle. And then he, he says, you stupid cunt, you know, his name's not Bob. And because he's drunk, he says, his name's not Bob, it's Bob. And then Charlie Sheen looks at him and says, it's Bo. <laughs> and I'm pretty sure Caulfield was loaded because I don't think he's that good an actor. Well, in that, that's, I think when you watch the reaction of him and Sheen when he fucks it up and says his name is Bob, like, he looks drunk and Charlie Sheen looks genuinely surprised, like, hey, you're fucking up the take, you know what I mean? I'm trying to figure out how he's dry. You got that Leslie Nielsen naked gun thing going. No, I guess he's still a little wet. Never mind. Yeah, Green Heslov there, he, you know, Caulfield, like, to piss him off, he jumped in their swimming pool. 
And Hesloff says, you know, don't pee in that pool. My my dad put a chemical in it, which, by the way, is an urban legend. I've heard that urban yes, legend. Yes, it is an urban legend. Yeah, put a chemical in there. If you pee in it, it will turn purple. So immediately, you know, all the water around Caulfield starts turning purple. And I actually seen them. I can't remember what it is now, but I was so pissed a few years ago. I saw a mainstream movie that ripped that joke off. Grown Ups. Is that what it was, Grown Ups? Yeah. Shaq. Remember, he peed in the pool. So Shaq was the pool pisser. <laughs> Shaquille O'Neal, three-time MVP, four-time NBA champion, and Rob Schneider, grown-ups pool pisser. Hey, I'm going to tell you what, them grown-ups movies was funny. You know, I took a lot of shit. I never seen grown-ups, believe it or not. Grown-ups 2 was coming out. I was like, this looks kind of funny. I want to see it. I'll rent grown-ups, rented it, liked it, went to see grown-ups 2, liked grown-ups 2 even more. Yeah. Shaq steals that movie. Oh, Shaq really steals grown-ups. Yeah, I, I was a fan of both. I, You know what? Here's my thing with Adam Sandler. They're all the same. Mm-hmm. You know what you're good That's why I hate when people, well, you know, this movie was bad. This is not your typical Sandler movie. It's like, they're they're all the same. There's If you like one... I'm saying he's got a few ones that are shitty. But I mean, he's got a few. There, you know, there's. Let's be honest. There's like Jack Mr. and Jill Deeds. is awful. Yeah, Mr. Deeds is bad. But you know, there. You should know what you're getting into when you go see it. Yeah, I agree with that. Okay, this thing going on here was they was actually with their car, like chasing down uh, Joe Grant Hesloff's dog got loose. It's like a little Chihuahua. I don't know whatever thing. And I was very nervous watching that because it looked like when they were filming, it looked like they almost ran the dog over. But then, I can't figure out what's up with his dad here. Is he like loaded? Is he a vegetable? Is I think he's drunk because he's drinking a Budweiser. I think he just ignores the sun. And like in a weird way, it kind of looks like he could be Maxwell Caulfield's dad too because they make that face. And Caulfield even fucks with him here because he says, "Hey, Dad, I'm going whatever." And he's like, "Dad, what are you watching on TV?" And he gets no response, obviously. And then he starts doing, like, a weird old man impression. Like, oh, son, I'm watching some stupid movie. (laughs) I like how he uses a grocery bag for his luggage. Yeah, and Charlie Sheen even makes fun of him when he gets in the car. But see, that's why I think this this movie's so good, cousin. It's because, like, okay, that was, like, literally a 60-second scene in that trailer with him and his dad. Boom, we know the whole story. We don't have to spend an hour on it. You know what I mean? Mm -mm. Like, that's actually good filmmaking. She also made the movie Dudes, which I know that's universally loved, but I fucking hate it. You hate it? Okay, tell me why you hate Dudes. Tell me why you hate Dudes. Well, I hate John Cryer, for starters. Oh, I love John. John Cryer's the coolest motherfucker. I don't know why he agreed to play a nerd on two men and a baby, or two two and a half men. He's a fucking nerd hiding out. Fucking, that's lame. Pretty pink. This dude just fucking sucks. All all right, I'm going to hit you on, and I dare you to tell me that this one of his movies is lame. Morgan Stewart is coming home. Tell me that's a lame movie. Well, I probably could if I ever saw it. He even meets a fake, a completely fake George Romero in the movie. He goes to a bookstore and meets a fake George Romero. Well, I'm, I better get on that. Now, let me get the upper up. The, let me get the lower twelve production. <laughs> yeah, that, lower really. that was a good scene right there where they they piss in front of the factory. And like, what's funny is they're graduating. I'm assuming this is 
Friday. I mean, I'm just assuming they're they're graduating on Friday, and they keep saying they have to go to work in the factory on Monday. That that's a quick turnaround, not to enjoy any like vacation or nothing. My thing is, is how do they know they even got jobs? Yeah, they claim they're going in there to it's, run the drill. Charlie press. Sheen's pretty goddamn confident of his working abilities, <laughs> yeah. and that's what I wonder, like. You know, they're whatever, like, during their senior year, did they go and apply for the jobs and do the interview? And it just, it was agreed upon, like, okay, you'll start the, you know, the next work day after you graduate high school. Yeah. And usually, like, factories and shit, like, I don't know, like, I, I mean, they're shitty jobs, I guess, but... They paid good. Back in the day, they paid really good. Yeah, they did. That is true. You can make a living. That's why they're... But, but I don't think it, like they would really want to hire immature kids like this. You know what I mean? No, by no means. And cousin, I want to hear your guess. I mean, obviously, they probably shot this all around L.A., but... But, you know, they, they figure out, like, where they should go and all that stuff. Because Charlie Sheen got 200 bucks from his grandparents for graduating. Um... And they're trying to figure out, where should we go? Should we go to Phoenix, where my grandparents live? Nah, Phoenix is lame, blah, blah, blah. And they go, oh, Los Angeles. And Caulfield says, oh, it's only about six hours away. So I, I wonder where they were, because I don't think they could have been, you know, anywhere in California, because that wouldn't have really made sense, because they could have been beneath, because no southern point underneath Los Angeles takes six hours to go up. Or to, I mean, technically they could be a central California, but I don't know. I think these motherfuckers were like, I don't know. They'd be from some hillbilly state somewhere like right out of California, Arizona. Yeah, I want to look at the map right now. I'll try to try to guess. You have a map? Well, I mean, I have the internet, which means I have. Oh, I was gonna say, I can't picture you sitting at a desk with a big fucking map tacked <laughs> up on your wall behind you. Because I'm trying to figure out, because I've actually recently, and we'll get that when we talk about our wrestling stories, because I actually drove all the way up through California, through most of Oregon, a couple weeks ago. I think these... Well, I, at first, I'm picturing you like Rocky Dennis with <laughs> yeah. that fucking map, and he's tacking baseball cards in, in, in sandwich bags to it, trying to plan where he's going to go. Is that how he did it? Old Eric Stoltz? Well, if you remember, he's like, yeah, I'm, I'm planning out my trip. Why did Sheriff for once go look, motherfucker? You ain't got a motorcycle. <laughs> okay, they could be in Nevada because that's a that's a bordering whatever town. Um, maybe they're in the like the bottom left tip of Utah. Utah that, might be good because that those people seem kind of Mormonish. Yeah, like they, they, they Charlie Sheen and them seem bored where they are. But I'm thinking if they're in Nevada, why wouldn't they just drive to Las Vegas to cause trouble? You know what I mean? 200 bucks wouldn't get you very far. 200 bucks ain't going to get you very far to L.A., especially yeah. if you buy gas. Well, gas was free. You know, I was well, actually surprised. It was cheaper that, back then. Yeah, so. Here they are. They're arriving in L.A. I'm going to guess that they're, like, in some shitty part of Nevada. That's what I'm going to guess. Hey, I'm sitting next to fucking whatever here. Some road Scholar fans. <laughs> He's got his geography degree. <laughs> they're driving through the Capitol Records building. They want to see... Like Charlie Sheen says, he wants to see Beverly Hills and shit. And I'll tell you, this, like when I watch this movie, it makes me nostalgic. Like if I would have moved it, well, I was too young, but if I would have lived in L.A. because like back then, because L.A. is too crowded to live into now. I tried making it there for ten years; it was too fucking crowded for me. But when you watch this movie, it doesn't look that crowded. It looks clean too. Yeah, which it really is. Oh, it's so piss riddle. But here they're getting um gas at this Iranian gas station. 
That's across the street from CBS Radford Studios, where they film my favorite television show, Big Brother. Never watched it. It's people that live in a fake backyard. At that, it wasn't, at that wasn't Sid Vicious the, the wrestler in one of them? Or was he in, like, the UK version? I don't... I think you're going to miss... And he might have been in the UK version, but one year I watched it, actually his son was on it. Okay, okay. And he it was, was a kid. It, yeah, oh. it was the guy... And the, like, you wouldn't think of it, but as soon as the guy said it, it made sense. He looked just like a younger, skinny Sid Vicious. He even had the curly hair and shit. Was he cutting promos? He was not. He was pretty boring. He was usually sitting around with a hooded sweatshirt, just being quiet. See, I'd be, I'd try to be like Mike Mazarian and make a name for myself, then go on to become the Miz. See, the Miz really sucks, but holy shit, did that guy make lemonade out of lemons, cousin? <laughs> uh, yeah, but let me tell you, that wife he landed, oh Marley. baby. See, on MLW though, they they claim she's just barely a hot mom. What do you think about? MSL disper- disparaging her. No, she's gorgeous. What the hell does MSL know about women? <laughs> yeah, not much. Now here we have it. The um, the uh, uh, I guess he's Iranian. I'm not sure. The the gentleman here working the uh, the you know because it's kind of like they just woke up out of the car. It seemed like Charlie Sheen was kind of groggy or something here. He thought he gave the guy. Which I don't understand because he asked Muscle Kofa, he said, should I put it, should I pay for it? He says, what do you think, a buck? Which a dollar gasoline ain't going to give you shit even back then. So Mm -hmm. he goes and he gives the guy two dollars, but he thinks he gave him a five and a one. And the guy says, so the guy cut the pump off after two bucks. So this argument like, hey, I paid you six bucks. And the guy even had the wrinkled up dollar bill saying, look, they're right here. You just only gave me two bucks. But Maxwell Caulfield... Like, I kind of wonder why Maxwell Caulfield just decided to go so crazy on this trip. Because he, did he think, you know, especially back then, you know, it was harder to track people and shit. Not impossible, but harder than it is now with Big Brother watching. Well, that's my guess. I figured that he just thought he would, in a, you in know, do it city, and then go yeah. back to the, once he went back to the factory, he'd blend in. <laughs> yeah. Because, I mean, back then, I mean, what's his name? Ted Bundy really did prove that. If you just want to stay away, you could kill anybody you wanted to in the 1980s. Pretty much. Just got to go to another city. Yeah. So they beat the guy real bad there. And at the end, he starts, like, pistol whipping him almost with a gas. With the, when Charlie Sheen was busy committing grand theft, stealing that gum. Yeah, it was. It wasn't like a, if you're not if you've seen the movie, it wasn't like a convenience store that you walk into. It was like a booth, wasn't it? Yeah, it was like just the old school pay and pump thing. But yeah, Charlie, she wasn't trying to rob the money. He he pushed the buttons for the gas, then he took a whole bunch of hubba bubba. Yeah, because that's literally all they had was like a little tray of bubble gum in there. Like they had no candy bars, no drinks, no nothing. So, so he he you know he even said it when they got back in the car. He said um, he said, well you know I got all this gum here. That should make us even, right? Like he thinks they're legally in the right. <laughs> yeah. He ripped us off, so I stole his gum after we beat his camel jockey ass. Yeah, and they even called him that too. So I mean, they're. I I think also too because the guy was a foreigner. I think they thought in their white redneck trash minds, they they thought that this guy, you know, his life wasn't worth much, so they could beat him up like that. Well, I think too is in in the eighties, if you were a foreigner, it didn't matter what you were. You were going to be whatever the studio wanted you to be. You could be right. Iranian and you'd be playing a Russian. Right, yeah, I could see that. I mean, that that's kind of how it worked. I mean, Arnold Schwarzenegger played many foreigners. Yeah, I mean, Christopher Lambert played a Scotsman. Come on. 
Christopher Lambert, I like how this guy made a career off of one good movie, and then he made a whole bunch of shit sequels that everyone universally hates. Well, he had a pain in Now, here's an old drunk who tells the cops who, I'm not sure who the older cop is, but you know, because it took me 20 years until it finally dawned on me their name, is the kind of younger cop of the Paris. Shooter McGavin, baby. Yeah, Christopher McDonald, who, and this is so curious because the movie was such a flop and ruined Maxwell Caulfield's career. He was also in Grease 2 with Maxwell Caulfield. He was one of the T-Birds, wasn't he? Yeah, one of the T-Birds. So I find it interesting that they had two Grease 2 members in there. You know, I don't get why Grease 2 was such a failure. I really don't either. You know, you know what? Like, let's put this to, to bed right now. I think it was a big disappointment with what they wanted it to make, but I don't think it really flopped. I don't think they lost money off of it. Well, it couldn't have cost that much to make. They filmed it in a fucking school. Right, let's see. All right, cousin, the budget of Grease 2 was $11.2 million. The box office was $15.2 million. And you got to figure they probably spent a few million bucks to advertise it, too. So it probably barely broke even in the theater. But I guarantee you, like, because, you know, video stores were such a boom, I bet it made millions of dollars on video, don't you think? Well, now, what, 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 was, what big numbers did the original Grease make? No, let me see. Okay. Well, okay. <laughs> I can see why they're kind of disappointed with fifteen million. The budget of the original was six million. The box office was three hundred and ninety-four point nine million. There ain't no way in holy hell that's cumulative towards. I'm assuming all these re-releases of. There ain't no way a movie back then made three hundred million dollars. It could. You don't know. It could have. The the wholesome family movie with the the story being pretend to be someone you're not so you could have sex with someone. Yeah. Let's see. Starring Jeff Conaway. Yeah. <laughs> Maxwell Caulfield before he did Grease too, it made his Broadway with debut with roles in the Elephant Man. Can you believe that? Who the hell did he play in the Elephant Man? It doesn't say. I'm assuming a background character. You ever seen Elephant Man? I have. It's I, a lot of people praise it because David Lynch made it. I'm not that crazy about it to be honest with you. If I were to remake it, I'd have that guy, you know, with the cane, be Danny DeVito, because I could picture him touch, punching somebody, going, "Get over there in the corner." <laughs> yeah. Let's see. Uh, Ma- this is. I don't Max- think David Lynch is a director, though. I'm gonna throw that out there right now. That he's not a good director. Uh, he, I mean, if you really look at what he makes, he makes those movies just fucking weird on purpose to get like that little bit of art house name. Some, I, some of them are good, though. Eh, Blue, Blue Velvet Velvet's is okay. awesome. Oh, no. Yeah, but how long has it been since you watched it? Uh, I have the DVD, so probably like two years. See, I watched it that long ago, and there were parts of it that were creepy that were just almost laughable bad now. Yeah. Actually, believe it or not, cousin, I'll. this is a... Not so interesting fact, but it's interesting to me. First time I ever uh, drank uh, sparkling water was my dad took me to see Blue Velvet at an art house theater, and I got a Perrier. And uh, that's uh, a fine water. It is, and uh, that was the first time I ever drank it. See, I didn't like Twin Peaks. I thought the movie was okay, but I didn't yeah, like Twin how Peaks everything was out of order. I hated Dune. Oh, I liked Dune. I like really? Dune. I, I say my my whatever David Lynch top three is number one, uh, Blue Velvet, number two, Lost Highway, number three, Dune. 
Lost Highway's okay. I just never really figured out how everybody changed in the second half. Right. There was a supernatural supernatural shenanigans. <laughs> I'm gonna tell you because remember, remember that scene with Robert Blake? Right. He called he, he called them at their house when they was talking to him at the party. Yeah, <laughs> I don't get it. <laughs> that was awesome. Now you didn't like Eraserhead, did you? <sighs> I didn't have to rewatch. It's been so long since I've seen it, but I don't that remember being no crazy about sense. it. Since I didn't like it. Yeah, I'm not really into art house movies though. See, I I actually saw art house movie. <laughs> Last night, that was awesome. It was called Humlo, My Name is Doris. And Sally Field played a 69-year-old woman trying to sleep with a 26-year-old man. <laughs> okay, where did you see this movie at? At the movie theater. At the uh, it, There's a movie theater about 10 miles away. They built some theaters in literally an outlet mall. So these are like probably your home theater sized. Are they, is it an art house theater? It's half and half. I say, they have 14 screens, and I would say usually they have two art house movies, and the rest they have X-Men and all that shit. Oh, I'd rather go see all that shit. Mm. You're missing out, cousin. Not really. I, I've seen a lot of art house movies. I generally don't like them. Well, I got something here you will like. I got a quote directly from Maxwell Caulfield. He was quoted as saying, before Grease 2 came out, I was being hailed as the next Richard Gere or John Travolta. However, when Grease 2 flopped, nobody would touch me. It felt like a bucket of cold water had been thrown in my face. It took me 10 years to get over Grease 2. Now, see, this is what I, and this is what I hated kind of about the Johnny Depp not liking the 21 Jump Street thing. Did Maxwell Caulfield get a check for Grease 2? I'm sure he did. Then he needs to shut the fuck up. One movie is not going to kill your career. I mean, back then it did hurt you a lot more than it does now. Like, now Jonah Hill produces flop. Like, Chaney Tatum has more flops than anybody, but he's still a huge oh, star. Oh, yeah. Okay, now how come that movie didn't kill Max Coffee or uh, Michelle Pfeiffer's career? That's Why what didn't they it kill Adrian Zemed's career? Why did it only hurt him? I think it's because Michelle Pfeiffer uh, made Scarface as well. Scarface is a fine motion picture. It is. Now here we have the scene where a bunch of women are angry at the boys because Maxwell Caulfield threw a. Um, there was some. What would you What would you call those gentlemen? Jazz musicians on the beach. Yeah, something. Some Jamaican jazz musicians. Yeah. On the beach. And they were smoking a big pipe of reefer in front of everybody. And what was strange was like a whole crowd gathered to watch this guy smoke some reefer. An old lady was standing there screaming and bitching about it. So Maxwell Caulfield threw up into the air, like almost like a cartoon, I would say. He threw a beer bottle up into the air, hit this old lady on the head, bust her head open. So all these women came, and they're trying to jump in the car. They forgot Joe's dog, which they kidnapped. I don't know if we mentioned that, but they kidnapped Joe's dog, took him all the way to L.A., and then lost him. So these women come, and the one girl says, I'm going to jump on your car, William Shatner, T.J. Hooker style, until the cops come. So Maxwell Caulfield, he actually drives around doing donuts with his girl on his hood of his car. She hung on pretty fucking good. I believe this scene inspired Quentin Tarantino for Death Proof. Actually, that I I would believe it because even the car is somewhat similar to the car in Death Proof. And I like how you made the T.J. Hooker reference. That's where Adrian's mad leader of the T-Birds went on to star in T.J. Hooker. When I was a kid, I was a big Adrian Zemed fan from the the movie Bachelor Party. I thought he was Bachelor like Party. the coolest, yeah. funniest guy in that. 
Now, let me ask you a question, as long as it, maybe you could, the I-team can investigate. I'm wondering this. Remember Adrian Zmet's girlfriend in uh, Grease 2, the one that kind of looked like Marilyn Monroe? Her name was Paula in the movie. Oh, she, yeah, she was what, super hot. What did she go on to do? Because I swear I've been seeing her lately. I don't know. Let's let's look it up real quick. Why would you do that? Let's Why talk. didn't she dump Adrian Zmet's ass for constantly flirting with Michelle Pfeiffer? I don't know. That was weird. Now, here we have the boys are at um, the La Brea Tar Pits. And they're very uh, they're very disappointed by the La Brea Tar Pits here. Well, isn't this the same tar pit that, like, where the volcano erupted in that horrible volcano movie, Volcano? Yeah, it was. Which is just that ridiculous. Some dog shit. What was the girl's name in Grease 2, Cousin. Paula or Paulette. There's a Paulette. Let me see. Lorna Luft. She's very. Oh, I shouldn't. I shouldn't say anything mean. She doesn't look quite the way she does. Oh, when she was in Greece too, she was hot. I'm trying to look. Okay, she was most recently. Maybe you've seen her on this TV show. She was on a TV show recently in 2009. A show called Rick and Steve: The Happiest Gay Couple in All the World. Have you seen that TV show? No, no, um, no, I unfortunately missed that. She has one acting credit in 2014, a show called Sean Saves the World. She was on one episode. No, no, missed that. Before that, it was The Happiest Gay Couple in the World, 2009. Before that, 1998, she was in the movie 54. She was on an episode of The Nanny in 95. Maybe I watched an 80s movie recently with her in it. Let's see. She was in an episode of Tales from the Dark Side. She's in a movie '84 called "Where the Boys Are." Did you watch that? Nope. Uh, McCloud, Love American Style. That's it. That's all her acting credits. No shit. Yeah. Well, I guess it wasn't her. But yeah. Okay. It, what was the better volcano movie? Uh, volcano or my my pick? Dante's Peak. Oh, I think Dante's Peak because Dante's Peak freaked me out when they're in that little boat on like on top of all the lava. Oh yeah, and the old lady jumped out. Yeah. Now the La Brea Tarpet scene, Charlie Sheen had a really good speech there about how they should be allowed to have Caveman Day. You know, they sh- they should be able to just walk around as men and do whatever they want. If you want a girl, you should be able to club her over the head and bang her, or do whatever you want to do, just go crazy. And he says, you know, you know, our trip so far has been so shitty. You know, we, we got in trouble at the gas station. We got beat up by a couple of girls. He's like, let's go back to the hotel, get changed. He, and his best line of the movie probably goes, let's eat somewhere nice, like the Sizzler. And then... <laughs> <laughs> now, now, I do like here, though, that they're actually filming this on the strip as opposed to like a right. strip mall in Canada like they do nowadays. Mm-hmm. Because you actually, like, you can tell some parts are actors and stuff that come up, but, like, a lot of it is just they're filming people that are walking down the street. Do you have the movie Fear City? No, I do not. I you should get the movie something. Fear City so we can do that. I'm a little low on funds right now. If only there was a way I could afford to buy every 80s movie. <laughs> This one, you might want to see maybe if uh, we could get a donation going for you. It's like, I think, it's Shout Factory put okay. out, but I think it's out of print. Oh, if it's out of print, it's going to be wrong. 
I'll see if I can get it from Netflix if they have a DVD copy left. If not, Melanie Griffin's naked in it. If that make and that's eighties Melanie Griffin naked. Right. I'm a big fan of Body Double, so I'll go with that. I'm actually a big that's fan. The of, no wait, Body Double. I'm thinking Body Heat, where Kathleen Turner right. still looked like a woman. Yeah, Body Double's different. I'm also a fan of Something Wild with the with the Melanie Griffith and uh, Jeff. What's his name from uh, Dumb and Dumber? Jeff Daniels. Now, I liked him in Dumb and Dumber. Yeah. <laughs> here we have Charlie Sheen. He's getting very horny because he's he's seen all these girls in the street that are punk rockers. Yeah, none of them did anything for me. No, none of them were good. But he says, you know, he's explaining to Maxwell Caulfield that punk rockers believe in anarchy. They'll fuck anything. Now, that shot right now, the car screeching to a halt. It actually, that looked like it was legit. Like, they almost rear-ended somebody. Like, Maxwell Caulfield wasn't paying attention. He almost rear-ended somebody. Right. Well, he- you know, they drive on the other side of the road where he's from. Yeah. And then that, that homeless guy, like, banged on their hood and shouted the Pledge of Allegiance. Charlie Sheen had a great reaction there. Where he's like, holy fuck. Now, Charlie Sheen is going down the Sunset Strip or Hollywood Boulevard here, hanging out the passenger side of the door, uh, door window. And uh, he's got a full bottle of alcohol, screaming at every woman down the street. How long would it take before Charlie Sheen got arrested? In About 38. Well, and back then? Yeah, I don't know. I would, I'll tell you right now. And it stops right now about uh, half a block. They just drew by a movie theater playing Buckaroo Banzai, cousin. I hate that movie. Yeah, you hate it. They're making it into a TV show now, though. Oh, by Kevin Smith. I'm sure that'll just be thrilling. Yeah, he's assembling a dream team of indie directors, he said, to do each episode. Yeah, and I think he said he was actually going to make the main guy Asian in this one. Really? Buckaroo Banzai is Asian? I think he's supposed to be. Yeah, I think yeah, I think you are right about that. All right, here they go. They're tired of driving around. They're like, let's just stop at the first bar here. They see lots of... No, I'm curious now. Hold on. Buckaroo Banzai here. Yeah. You're you're all about that movie, aren't you? I bought I bought the. Uh, it's actually coming out from somebody here soon, but Shop about six, yeah, six months ago, I had to import a cop a Blu-ray copy from Mexico, cousin. I have the DVD. Hmm, interesting. I would do a commentary of it. Let me actually watch it because I've I've seen the movie in bits and pieces. I've never actually sat down and watched the movie from beginning to end. Did you see what Shop Factory is putting out on? They acquired the rights they're putting out on Blu-ray. They don't have a date yet, though. Mm. Roadhouse. Roadhouse? Yep. Wow. They got to do a special edition, though, because there's already like a $6 Blu-ray out. Yeah, and I I, I, I like that movie a lot. I do, too. I, we talked about it before, but it's painful watching Swayze chain smoke through there, knowing he died of cancer later. But I didn't know him. It didn't affect me. Okay. Now here we get Charlie Sheen. You know they're worried about we might not be getting a bar because we're underage and all this. And uh, you know the 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 guy out. I can't remember the guy's name that they met on the sidewalk. He said, "Oh, I'm friends with a bouncer or whatever. I'll get you." And he gets in. He grabs a Budweiser. He looks around, sees two ugly girls in this bar, and then about what? What would you say? About 150 guys are crammed into this tiny bar. Yeah, and Charlie Sheen doesn't know, but Caulfield figures it out uh, here basically that he's in a gay bar. And I think Caulfield figured out more because it seemed like Caulfield's more scared of gay people is what I would say. Yeah, Sheen doesn't seem to really care. Yeah, he's kind of like, you know, we need to get out of here because we're not going to find girls here. And, like, Sheen's kind of the horn dog of the group, I would say. Yeah, 
he got typecast in that role, unfortunately. Yeah, yeah, he did, unfortunately. No, but Charlie Sheen was married to Denise Richards, so he's yeah. a better man than me. Yeah, well, you can't fault him for that. Now, where are you at on wild things with Denise Richards? Uh, let's see. Um, I own the DVD. I own the Sony PSP version of it. <laughs> I own the Blu-ray of it, so I'm pretty high on it. Have you seen any of the sequels? Yes, I've actually seen, I think, two of the sequels. They're kind of bad, I'll be honest. They're kind of I'm like just, shitty remakes um, of them. I like the uh, I like the uh, one with her and uh, Matt Dillon a lot, and Bill yeah. Murray. Yeah, it was good. That's kind of Bill Murray's first comeback movie, I would say. Yeah, I don't get the fascination the world has with Bill Murray right now. I think he's pretty great, but you have to use him the right way. I saw a movie. What was it? Oh, I saw The Jungle Book recently, and Bill Murray did the voice of the bear. Really? Yeah, it was pretty good. I saw St. Vincent with Bill Murray. Oh, I know why you saw that movie, cousin. Hell yeah. That's got Melissa McCarthy in it. You, <laughs> you know I'd, uh, I'd get some of that. You gonna see the new Ghostbusters? Hell no. That is the worst that trailer I've terrible. ever seen. No, they left the bar because they got an altercation because a guy cummed up. It was a weird guy, and, like, he wasn't really even buff, but he had, like, a bodybuilder tank top on, and he grabbed Caulfield, so they got in a scuffle. And then the bartender, he yelled at him, told him to leave the bar. It was, believe it or not, uh, and if you know this and you look at the guy, you can kind of tell, but the bartender in the bar, he's he's, like, a bit, I don't know what you'd call it, supporting actor. He only has, like, one-line roles. It's actually Anthony Kiedis' dad from the Red Hot Chili Peppers. Really? Yeah, it was. And Nikita's star of Point Break. That's right. Alongside uh, War Child, <laughs> Vincent Quinn. And Flea was the star of Dudes. <laughs> well, not really. I think he's the one that got murdered yeah, right he off. He got murdered first, yeah. So we know, we didn't get to know his story very well. All right. Leaving took his ass out. He did. Leaving a fear, right? Yeah. Also of um, Streets of Fire fame. Oh, I didn't know, realize Leaving was in it. He was Willem Dafoe's right-hand man. Yeah, I actually have a couple Fear CDs. So do I. They only have two, I believe. Yeah. Oh, I got at <laughs> least one. Yeah. Uh, here we go. They go to uh, the the gay guy who got him into the bar. They go to his apartment, like because they had to get you know they're getting thrown out of the bar. So like they get they were like leaving. There was actually I you couldn't do this scene in a movie now, but. Like, when they agreed to go to this gay guy's house or whatever, like, Charlie Sheen grabbed Maxwell Caulfield, and he's like, what are you doing? And then he mouthed the words, he's a fag. <laughs> Did you see that? <laughs> yeah. You, you, you wouldn't get it with the now, the politically correct whatever. See, they got the right idea. They're going to seduce him and then roll him. Right. So Caulfield starts taking off his clothes, which I don't even think you really had to do to get the, I think this guy was so, like, excited to be with these guys or whatever. I don't think you even needed to start taking your clothes off. Well, then he he tried to hook the million dollar dream, but he didn't have it cinched in properly. Yeah, he was trying to do. If you're not, if you haven't seen the movie, Caulfield, like he tried to put a sleeper hold on the guy, but the guy was like fighting too much. So then he starts like punching him in the back, right? Like kidney punching him. Yeah, and the guy bit him. So that's when Charlie Sheen just had to go with the old low blow. Yeah, Charlie Sheen kicks him in the nuts, which which to me like. Okay, like the gas station thing happened so happy. The old lady with the beer bottle, Charlie Sheen had nothing really to do with that. Like, I actually felt like Charlie Sheen was the innocent bystander in this part because he actually helps, like, beat this guy up. 
And oh I, yeah. And I think Charlie Sheen, like, I mean, he's he's very minor in this, but he's still involved. He like he ain't stopping it or nothing, you know. No, there he is stomping him. Yeah, he stomps him and kicks him in the face. And you know, like Charlie Sheen, I'd say is a little, you know, this this I don't know, like there was like some homophobia. So I would say Charlie Sheen is your normal level like, homophobia teenager, homophobic teenager. Maxwell Caulfield, like, when he sees a gay person, he, I feel like he goes crazy in this movie, don't you? Like, he wants to murder them all. Yeah, he's fairly, like you said, he's fairly jacked right there. Yeah. I mean, and keep in mind, if you ever say, like, he's, like, 1984 Jack, Not now, where everybody's eating the fucking Ico Pro and shakes him. No, only gotta have the Ico Pro. <laughs> yeah. Now, what do you think, especially in this? Obviously, this gay man has something used for jacking off. What do you think if if, if Paul if, if Charles Bronson was Boy, the detective assigned to this case? If Charles Bronson, in his role from Ten to Midnight, did a thorough examination of this man's apartment, I feel like he would find something that kind of looked like half like a fire extinguisher. And then half look like either an elephant's trunk or a rubber foot attached to it. That's what I did. And, and then he'd say it was obviously a suicide. <laughs> he would. <laughs> Paul Kersey was, well, not Paul Kersey, but whatever his character's name, I can't remember now. It, it, it's like fake Paul Kersey, though, because it's like Saul Pressy or something. Yeah, it's, <laughs> it's it sounds like, similar. Yeah. It's the world's funny. worst detective. I still remember when he's seen this dead body for like two days and they're driving down the neighborhood. Oh, no, I know this girl. <laughs> he <laughs> sees the house. But uh, he only knew it by seeing the house. <laughs> But yeah, so like after that scuffle with that gay guy and they beat him up, like I'd say they almost, I, well, they actually did knock him unconscious. So they couldn't like just run out of the apartment there, but Charlie Sheen found a gun and then Maxwell Caulfield's like shoot him and then Charlie Sheen couldn't because, you know, he wasn't up to murdering somebody. So like this is where Caulfield really gets on the deep end when um, he gets the gun and he just shoots the guy. And then like Charlie Sheen says something like, I can't believe we did that or whatever. And like. Caulfield says, like, don't worry, we're already gone, and then they just run out, you know? Yeah, I mean, he, he, back then, like you said, there wasn't all the forensics in that. They probably said, theory, oh, just another day and we'll be in the factory. Yeah. I mean, like, they did have forensics back then, because sometimes they go back and retry cases from 1983, but, like, back then with all the evidence, like, they could collect it, but they couldn't, like, I don't know, they couldn't run it in the computer or do anything with it, you know what I mean? Well, plus, if these guys are from somewhere else, if they hadn't committed no crimes, their prints wouldn't be in anything either. Yeah, they're, you know, like, even, yeah, and, I mean, I don't know, like, I doubt they've been arrested before all this happened, so there's, yeah, there's no way they would. This is kind of a weird scene, though, at the police station a little bit. Like, they try to make it comedic, like, the one cop brings some cold tacos and they're bitching, these tacos are cold and stuff. Now, I want to know what you think about this scene, because there seems to be, like, roughly about 200 people <laughs> gathered on the street, mesmerized. From, like, fake voodoo Mardi Gras. Punk <laughs> <laughs> rock, fake voodoo Mardi Gras. There's, like, a girl playing, like, literally a toy guitar. Like, not, like, a cheap fake guitar, but, like, a plastic, like, Like plate. a plastic ukulele, like you get for a kid. And it had, like, it only had, like, two strings on it. Like, I don't know, it was weird. And they're just, and it's just this group of four or five freaky girls. One girl's got her face painted up like Mardi Gras, and they're all chanting, "We want your money!" And they're they're passing like a hat around, and motherfuckers are actually filling it with money. Why? Like, why would you? If I was walking down the street in L.A. and saw this corny shit, I would keep walking. I know. I said I wouldn't even stop. 
I mean, even if, Corey, even if you were on, like, vacation and saw this, you wouldn't want to stop, right? Fuck no. If the hat came near me, I'd grab the money and start leaving. <laughs> you would do it. Now, here, um, Caulfield was, like, scanning the crowd of, like, who they could roll. And he, like, he saw an older couple with a nice fur jacket. He looked like he wanted to rob them. Charlie Sheen, though, sees a, a, a girl with a really good poodle, 80s poodle hair. And uh, they decide to follow her. Now, I actually do think this, I mean, she's very, very 80s look and everything, but I actually think this girl was good looking that they follow with her boyfriend. Oh, yeah. yeah. 80s girls are cute. Yeah. I mean, she, you know, she didn't belong at the private resort. Now, this was cool, though, that there there actually was an arcade in L.A. Apparently, they go to here. It's called Westworld, and it has the font like the movie. I thought that was cool. Is that the same arcade from Nightmares? No, that was New York, not L.A. Never mind. I thought Nightmares was, uh, I'm pretty sure Nightmares, Nightmares is Canada. No, I, <laughs> I think Nightmares is in L.A. because I was going to tell you this. I thought the Nightmares arcade was in the Fox Hills Mall, and then the mall they run around at the end of this is, is the Fox Hills Mall. Well, not, not the one in the mall, but remember in the beginning, Lee's hustling that guy in that arcade? Oh, yeah. No, yeah. I know what you're talking That one was uh, like downtown L.A., yeah. That's it, a good. But it you looks know, like New York, as, yeah. As good as that movie is, that story is the only one that's actually really good. I'll agree, because like the one where Lance Henriksen is like getting chased by the demonic truck, like you could tell they clearly didn't have a script for that. The one with the girl with the killer in the back, that urban legend story, that was okay, was but that's good. all it was. Yeah, I still liked it. What's the fourth one? Isn't there a fourth one? Yeah, I think so. Yeah, because Hendrickson's was the third story. Right. The last one... I can't remember if Estevez is the last one or not. I don't think No, so. his, his is second. Right. Because I got the Shop Factory Blu-ray when it came out a few months back. Yeah, I still need to get it. I, I that was it. made for TV, though, wasn't it? it? Yeah, it was. And then, like, they decided to... I think it was one of those deals where they decided to... Uh, or maybe because it got an R rating, or maybe they decided to put it in theaters. Maybe they shot more. But, like, I know, it, like, I don't know. I would say it's on par of, like, it seems like an early 80s HBO movie or something. Because there was no bad words or nudity in it. Mm-mm. That's why I thought it was just made for TV movie. And the, you know, I have the DVD. The DVD, I believe, is full frame, but I know the Blu-ray, you can watch either way. The white yeah. screen or the full frame. Because Anchor Bay put out the DVD, I think. Yeah, I got it. It was, it was going for some good money there while I was out of print, but, I mean... I've really never sold any of my movies anyway, but I definitely would never sell that, you know. Yeah, you have the you have the nicer version of uh Oh well you have an Anchor Bay that I have a special edition of, but your Anchor Bay has more stuff on it. <laughs> I can't remember what the movie is. We've talked about it before. Really? Dead Heat. Dead Heat. Oh yeah, Dead Heat, yeah. Yeah, I got yeah. the Blu ray with absolutely nothing on it. <laughs> yeah, because it's like the Midnight Madness or whatever. Yeah. Not even that good of a transfer. Okay, here we had Charlie Sheen. He was, I don't know why he was so dejected in the Westworld arcade, because he tried to hit on the girl who was already on a date with her boyfriend. Yeah, he was simple. Yeah, and the the, the boyfriend came and just literally, like, kind of, like, not in a bullyish way, but just, like, start, you know, hey, I'm back, we want to pay attention to my girlfriend now, kind of pushed him away. And then, like, you know, Caulfield, Roy, 
the Roy character, he keeps telling him, like, oh, you know, we, like, he's, like, kind of egging Charlie Sheen on, like, we need to do something, like, that guy, because Charlie Sheen's like, the guy just pushed me out of the way, and blah, 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 and he's like, yeah, we need to do something about this guy, but I mean, really, I mean, who's right and who's wrong in this situation? Yeah, I mean, that was the guy's girlfriend. <laughs> yeah. Now, here we have the, the, the cops are at the, uh, the gay man's apartment, and they're interviewing his um, roommate, like, sometimes boyfriend, and uh, this is actually a pretty good scene because the you know the two main cops investigating you know kind of the good cops you know they're asking him all the questions trying to figure out because you know he witnessed the guy leave the bar with a keep uh, keep want to say row and boy but it's boy and row row boy yeah row boy so I mean he has the information he saw the killers who they were and shit so he's telling the cops and then there's like a really like almost like a comic relief. Um, very um, homophobic or hateful cop who's like he's just making fun like the guy's uh, boyfriend is dead like in the apartment laying dead and he's like making fun of this guy he's just making like gay jokes yeah he keeps saying like oh they met him at the fudge packer bar and all this bullshit and like finally at the end uh, I can't remember if it's McDonald or Oler Cup they actually grab the fat uh, uh, homophobic cop and like shove him up against the wall and tell him he's got a big mouth and shit See Paul Kersey would have been looking for the jack off tool. Yeah, because I mean, if you find the jack off tool, boom, murder solved. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. This is for jacking off. <laughs> this is for jacking off. <laughs> no, Boyle, Boyle, by the way, is still climbing the charts. He is, and I want to thank our listeners for supporting. Because I mean, let's be honest. Like out of all the stars, I think we covered Charles Bronson. A is the most popular. But he's also the one I think that's the only one I can think of that's passed away. So it's pretty cool that people, you know, because I don't know, it kind of annoys me how like movie fans, like they forget about good actors, like even when they're still alive. But Boyo's been passed away for like 30 years and people still hardcore fucking fans. Like, like I belong to a community, the um, Canon Films Appreciation. Oh, everybody's raving about Boyo all day long in there. Are you showing the podcast on there? A little bit. I have in the past. Maybe I should get maybe back they on. maybe they can you know get some fans in that admit in Deathwish too. He was a fat out of shape sack of no, shit. No, no, the, the appreciation guys. No, they love him too much, cousin. I wasn't insulting. I'm just saying he was fat. I've seen motherfuckers on there with Deathwish tattoos. They're not going to say anything bad about Boyo. I just stated the obvious. You stated the incorrectness is what I think you stated. Fat, fat, fat. Now, at least in 10 to midnight, he was in shape. Oh, he was in great shape in 10 to midnight. Now, here we go. I find this, like, hard to believe. This is a little movie-ish here. Like, the uh, the girl and her boyfriend, they kind of, like, ran back into him. Like, they went and got milkshakes. Uh, Roybo <laughs> got milkshakes. <laughs> Tybo. <laughs> Tybo. They got milkshakes, and then they see the girlfriend... The girl and her boyfriend, like, they ride up in, like, um, like what you would see in China. Like, a guy has a bicycle with two seats on the back that you pay him to ride. Like Rickshaw. Yeah, Rickshaw. And the Rickshaw drops him off at their car, which happens to be where Roybo, you know, right next to the sidewalk where Roybo are handling, you know, enjoying their milkshakes. Then they go to the guy's car to drive home or whatever. It's a convertible. That car, I mean, it's not like a Ferrari or nothing, but it's a decent car, the top down. Like, that car wouldn't last all night like completely open like that in LA not no. even in fucking 1985 or whatever it wouldn't last here in the midwest either no it wouldn't last anywhere that motherfucker's uh shit would be gone 
Maxwell Caulfield, I was doing research for him the other night. Um, he's actually married to, I think, Juliet Mills, who's Haley Mills' older sister. Uh, Maxwell Caulfield, he's not that old. I think he's only like 57, 59, but he's married to actually a 76-year-old woman. That's just nasty. And they've been, well, they've been married for like, I think like 38 years or something, but it's still kind of interesting. Like it's when you see, nasty. When you see pictures, like, you know, like it's, it's just strange. He did nothing after this movie for anything here in the States, did he? Well, not in the films I'm looking at now. This is listed as 85, but I thought it came out in 86. Anyway, after this, he had to go to TV and uh, for a couple of years he did, um, the uh, the show Dynasty that's what it was oh he was in that yeah and then he did a spinoff of it called the Colbys for a couple years oh, so he worked yeah he I mean he he worked in eighty six I haven't seen this movie maybe you have Corey it's got like a picture of a skeleton it's um it's called the Supernaturals it's a nineteen eighty six some kind of like army uh, shit. It has a lot of Star Trek people in it, though, like Michelle Nichols and LeVar Burton, but I haven't seen it. Mm-mm. Never heard of it. And then he didn't do another movie till 89, something called Mind Games, which I haven't seen. Wasn't he in the Sundown? Yeah, Sundown was his next movie after uh, Mind Games. Was that good? I, I remember liking it when I saw it. It was like a vampire western. Bruce Campbell's in it. Okay, I'm looking at the thing. Looking at the poster now, that's interesting. I remember I enjoyed it, but I haven't seen it in all 20 years. Yeah. And then he did movies, TV off and on. I think probably his next notable movie is Waxwork 2, 92. Who the hell was he in that? Mickey, I don't know who that is. That was on El Rey the other day, actually. I actually have Waxwork 2, but not Waxwork 1. I have them both. I have, like, the double pack with them. Yeah. I'm not gonna lie to you. I like Waxwork too. Do you? I have to watch it sometime. It's yeah. funny. It's but then again, Waxwork is funny too. In all honesty, neither one of them are serious. Oh yeah, they're supposed to be kind of horror comedy. But um, but yeah, he really did. I think probably his most famous role is '95 Empire Records as Rex Manny. You know, I did not like that movie. I couldn't get really? into it. I like it. Mm-hmm. I also hate Dazed and Confused. Oh, I have tried. That's a hard blow right there. I have tried to watch that thing. This is no joke. It's probably been 15 attempts to watch that movie. Come on, don't even go there with All 15, it just stinks. I even went to the anniversary re release uh, last month, saw it again in the theater. Yeah, I, I mean, a lot of people like it. I just, I can't get into it. No, we kind of we kind of totally blew by it talking about Maxwell Caulfield, but uh, basically what happened there was they followed that guy and girl, and they walked up and like, it was weird. Like I don't know what Charlie Sheen thought was going to happen in all honesty, but they walk up to him and then obviously Caulfield uh, just pretty much just walked up and shot them. He gave a one liner. He said, "This is my game, sucker," which is what the guy said in the arcade. He said, "Oh, this is yeah. my game." And he just shot him, and Charlie Sheen got really, in the moment, he got really freaked out, but now they're drinking beer up on the Hollywood Hills, and, like, Charlie Sheen's had enough, but, like, what do you what do you think his demeanor is here? Like, he's blown away, like, he can't believe his friend's murdering all these people. Like, he's not going to the cops, but he's just like, maybe we can forget about this, <laughs> it seems like. Once we get to the factory on Monday. That's what he says. Everything yeah. will be, everything will be normal. Yeah, he says, he says, I don't, you know, I don't care if, you know, 
what happens in life. I don't care, whatever. You know, if, if I got to get married and have kids working in that factory, you know, if, it's, if that's all I have, it's fine. And he's like, but, you know, you need to get control of yourself pretty much. But he's not, be, he's not like, being forceful. And I don't know if that's because he's not really mad at his friend or if he's afraid of his friend. I don't really know. I, I think... I don't think he's afraid of him, but I think, yeah, I think it's just more like that's his only friend. You know, yeah. he don't want anything to happen to him. Yeah. but I mean, He doesn't want to be alone. I mean, you know, pretty much this movie takes place, I would say, in a day, but not really because, you know, the day before the graduation day, you know. And I thought it was interesting that they didn't show the graduation ceremony, which was weird, but. Well, they probably didn't go to it. Yeah. But uh, but Caulfield said something to his dad about the graduation ceremony, but I don't know if he was just bullshitting him or what. Well, I guess though, in the car, he's got the tassel hanging from his rearview mirror. That is true. Mirror. He does. Yeah, he wasn't like you. He didn't just skip it to see Encino Man. Hey, Encino Man, tell me you didn't like Encino Man. I loved Encino Man. Better than Godfather 3. Oh, I wouldn't go that far. I mean, I know Godfather 3 is kind of shitty, but I wouldn't go that far. I will say Encino Man is better than... Star Wars. Okay, what episode? All of them. Oh, I, I. Now, if you would have said episode seven, I would agree with you a hundred percent. But not that. No, not the original you know trilogy. This, you know to say nobody wanted to do Furious Seven versus Star Wars Seven. Mm-mm. They want to do uh, X Men versus Batman versus Superman. Are you getting on that one? No, I'm not. I'm not. I actually like Batman versus Superman, but I think I I've said too. it before. I had no problems with it, really. Nope. I got a problem with this second-run podcast stealing my shtick. Well, okay, I listened to the new episode of Second Run Podcast, and they claim they they recorded that before we attacked them. So they claim on the next episode they got coming, we will be dealt with. Oh. I'm shaking. Well, to be fair, I think they're more mad at me, but I mean, okay, I didn't start the Civil War. That's all I'll say. But here we go. The boys, to wind down, they go to a bar. They try to get some beers. And now this is kind of from the day and age when people who had like one line in a movie were sometimes terrible actors. I thought this bartender was kind of a stiff, shitty actor, didn't you, cousin? Nothing compares to the bartender that goes, you ain't never going to meet a man. Listen, you Italian pukes. <laughs> he comes in here, he did me dirty. He did me dirty. So they're they're there, and this woman, how old did you say this woman was? About 37, maybe? If that, yeah, maybe, yeah, 37 35. or 32. Yeah. She's there, she's ready to Coug- blow. Yeah, cougar. She's ready to blow the place. You know, they, they get kicked out. Not really kicked out, but they just have to leave because the guy ain't going to give no beer, so why are you going to stay? You speaking know? of, now hold on, speaking of cougar. Do you remember Vicky Guerrero or the Cougar Necklace? I don't. I don't remember that. I'm sorry. Vicky Guerrero, what would you have had sex with her? I mean, you know, I've only seen her recently. I wasn't watching while Eddie was still alive when she was on. She um, wasn't there when he was alive. They hired oh, her she after was dead. Oh, yeah. Okay, I seen her when like Stephanie threw her into that baby pool of chocolate pudding or something. Yeah. I'm going to say no, just to be nice about it. I'm going to say no. Yeah, I'm going to have to agree with you. And then she got, like, lost all this weight and got, like, a really dynamite fit body. And Did she? I'm still going to go no. Yeah, I'm going to pass. Stephanie McMahon, I'm going to go yes. Yeah, I'm going to say 
super big time yes on that. Linda McMahon, I'm going to say yes. Really? She's rich. Well, so is Vince, but I, that doesn't mean I sleep with him, too. But You don't have to. If you want to. See, that's why everybody says Hunter slept with Stephanie to get control and all that. If he was really plotting, the, if the money's Linda, that's who Hunter would have went after. Now, why does Linda have so much money? Well, I'm assuming that I'm still trying to figure out how they're not divorced, but she's actually, the, on paper, I think the CEO of the company. Wow. Maybe she wants to keep those health benefits. It could be. You know, and, and she at least she forgave him after drugging her and everything with that whole Trish Stratus fiasco. Well, that was kayfabe, though. I mean, we're talking real life. Well, now, so here, was the Benoit murders, too, but, you know. That was kayfabe, you think? Well, Billy Jack Haynes said it was Vince McMahon that murdered him. <laughs> what? Why would he do that? Because Daniel Benoit was really Vince McMahon's son. Mm. Billy Jack Haynes had proof. Oh, didn't he have like an envelope or some shit? He did. He had a folder to that whole interview. He never, he never opened it, though, but inside okay. was the proof. Okay. I think inside was the Xanax and Soma prescription. <laughs> All right, so here this cougar picks them up, takes them up. We had a scene where, you know, Roy just wanted to leave. He didn't want to go to this cougar's place, clearly showing that he has no interest in women because clearly the, I think, if, you know, if he wanted to act like an asshole, this woman would have banged them both, don't you think? You know who I want to have sex with, cousin? Oh, I'm sure the the listeners want to know. Tell me. She, you would know her because I think she just came up from NXT. Her name's Dana Brooke. Oh, no, don't say that. Oh, she is hot as hell. No, no. Okay, you're talking NXT Brooke or chunky main roster Dana Brooke? She's she gotten chunky, cousin. She's huge, man. What are you talking about? That's a, that's, a, that's a bodybuilder's body. No, she was a bodybuilder when she first came to NXT. Now she's on the main roster. She's chunky. Oh, she's not. She's, she's no different shape than Natalia. No, Natalia's, you know, way better. Oh, no. I think Dana Brooks hot as hell. I think I, I think Natalia's hot as hell too. Oh idea. Yeah. Maybe it's because she's a heel character. I don't like. I'll just say that's why I don't like. Dana. I don't like Paige. Yeah, I, don't, I mean, I don't either. She looks too much like Sheamus in a wig. The only girls on the main roster I like are Natty and Charlotte. That's it. Charlotte's like pretty if I don't get a close up of her. Well, she you should see she was rough in her NXT days. They really prettied her up for the main roster. Yeah, she threw her dad out, too. She told Ric Flair to hit the bricks and get away from her for good. That's just Vince McMahon's creative writing because he has an unstable family. He has to force that onto everybody else. And Ric Flair had to cry all the way out. Yeah. So, yeah, so here we have it. They're kind of just hanging out playing quarters at this woman's. Uh, Maxwell Coffee tried to move his car, but he's blocked in. So he started ramming cars, and that made the uh, the cars in front of him and shit. That made the uh, bartender call the cops. So Charlie Sheen's like, hey, we'll just go back to this girl's apartment. When we come back in a couple hours, these cars will be gone. We'll, we'll be gone. You know, we'll leave. But, you know, that that stupid hot... See, that shows you why serial killers have to be calm and cool. Because you do hot-headed shit in public, you get a dime dropped on you. And that that's going to be the beginning of the end for these boys next door, yeah. ain't it? And they always the the witness reports and all them crimes were uh, the the white muscle car. Yep, the primer. Now, since they're kind of just just a scene where Charlie Sheen has sex with this lady, and and here we have I didn't bring it up before, but here you know you can see Charlie Sheen's dragon tattoo 
on his, I think his right bicep, which that tattoo comes and goes throughout the movie because he got it halfway through production. I think it's It's gone. a real tattoo, isn't it? Oh, yeah, it's a real tattoo. Like, some scenes it's, like, covered with makeup, and some scenes you can see it. But I think Charlie Sheen having sex and Roy Bo's about to go in the, the kitchen here and drink some, I think, champagne or wine. Let's talk about our uh, wrestling... Uh, uh, whatever here a couple weeks ago you went you went before me you went to what wwe raw we went to wwe raw we were right in the front and you know my that was my son's first day you know, seven that's his first show so after like you know after the first hour he was just mesmerized with the fireworks and the oh yeah you know and seeing all these these heroes you know live and then after that, I don't know what happened to him, but he was jumping up and down. I hate you. I'm going to kick you in the nuts. I want you to die, Roman Reigns. Really? AJ Styles. AJ Styles. And at one point, he's like, Dad, if they say any of the bad words, the chance, can I say them? I was like, Sure, have fun. <laughs> yeah, it seemed like you went to a pretty good show. And, you, and then you said you. You know, Ambrosify movies. You you got a and your son got a high five from a. Well, yeah, it was it was the Raw where Ambrose cut up Jericho's coat. And oh, really? When when Raw goes off the air, they stay in there, you know, yeah. to be a little bit longer. I always have to send the crowd home happy. And Jericho, it was like fifteen minutes, but it was funny. He kept telling Ambrose, "You gonna have him arrested?" and and he, that jacket belongs in the Smithsonian. And he went on and on, and Ambrose DDT'd him and. He actually went around like I mean like the whole arena twice on the floor, you know, I'm talking like behind the ramps and everything to make sure he shook everybody's hands and yeah, um, he came to our side and my son got to shake his hand and mine, so That's awesome. And let me tell you, sometimes I'll say it guys bigger in person. Yeah. I'm not gonna say that about Dean Ambrose. <laughs> What'd you say? Five foot ten and scrawny maybe? No, he's he's tall. I'll put him about six. I mean, I'll give him that much. But yeah, he's he's skinny. He he's not muscular in the least. Yeah. Here here we have Charlie Sheen getting busy. With now you went to now where did you go? I went to NXT Live in Portland, Oregon, and uh, it was a good show. I had floor seats, but it's still a little hard to see on the floor. I kind of wish I would have got like the seat seats up, like elevated a little bit. But I was still really close, and. Um, uh, it was a good show. Couple kind of lame things. Couple things I didn't like. Couple kayfabe things rubbed me the wrong way. But my my favorite matches were actually, let's say, Bailey versus Nia Jax and Oscar versus uh, Alexa Bliss. I actually like the girls' matches better. And then the main event was uh, Shinsuke Nakamura came out and beat up a jobber. That was a very boring match. That was the one I was really disappointed with because it was, you know, all you hear is Shinsuke Nakamura, King of Strong Style, and then. He fucking, I don't know. He did a half-ass match. But uh, the finale was Finn Balor versus Smojo. Good match. And then, like, because they were actually recording it. Because, like, I guess just to put it up on the bigger screen, like the entrance screen that they had. I guess for the people in the shitty seats or something. I don't know. <laughs> and uh, But at the end, like, like the, towards the end of the main event, like, some guy came out with a cell phone and was, like, recording. I'm like, what the fuck is this guy doing? And then, like, Finn Balor, he lost the match, and then, like, he did, like, a run-in at the end where he jumped Samoa Joe, which I didn't like, because I, I don't like Finn Balor's new Fonzie gimmick. He used to be the demon, now he just wears a leather yeah, jacket. Yeah, I like the demon gimmick. Yeah, he, he, he's dropped the demon gimmick, he comes out in a leather jacket now, and, and underwear, I don't like it. But, uh, apparently what the guy was doing, he, he was Facebooking it live, WWE was Facebooking it live on their Facebook page, 
and that that's going to you know that video is being used to set up like whatever some match at a pay per view or takeover or whatever soon. So it was a good show. I I enjoyed it. I had a good time. Did like, you see at the the July takeover show that uh, Shinzi Nakamura is going to fight Austin Aries? No, but that would be good. I saw Austin Aries. I can't remember who did Austin Aries wrestle. Ah, shit, I, I think he maybe wrestled Mojo Raleigh. Is who he wrestled. Yeah, actually, he did. He, he wrestled Mojo. Austin Aries one of my favorite wrestlers too. He was good. He didn't disappoint me. Now, Here are two guys have come back to their car and they see the cops all over it. This yeah. is after that. This is after that. Bo killed uh, Charlie Sheen's woman. Yeah, Roy Bo got mad because Charlie Sheen was banging away there, and he basically killed that woman by like shaking her death to her neck snapped. And uh, I thought it was very mean spirited because he throws her down on the ground. Her eyes are bleeding, all this shit, and he tells Charlie Sheen like, "I can't believe you fucked that." Like meaning like she's so gross. Do you think that woman was really that gross? Because I didn't. No, no, she was okay. She's fine. Yeah, she, I mean, she was okay. But um, apparently this movie kept getting an X rating, and I think the two scenes that they had to cut down the most was actually when they beat up the guy at the gas station and then that scene with the woman. And it was just like extra punches and hits and like shit, you know what I mean? Kind of like the old X-rated RoboCop with a little right. more blood type of thing. But I mean, this movie, I mean, yeah, there's like blood splatters when they shoot people and stuff, but it's not like overly gory, you know what I mean? I wouldn't. This movie's like hard to describe. Like it's not an action movie. It's not a slasher movie. It's not a horror movie. It's not a. It's it's really it's just a drama with yeah, like with, like some very hard scenes. Yeah, like the the whole point. Uh, Penelope Sears is saying like they wanted to make a movie that would examine, and I think it's actually. And that's why I think this movie's more of a cult classic now, where it was kind of initially forgotten because it didn't have a great release or whatever. But I think the reason it still stands up now. And I actually was really surprised rewatching this. I mean, I always loved this movie. It's one of my favorite movies. But, like, I think it's just a really well-made movie because the pace just keeps going and going. But, you know, especially now we have all these mass shootings and all these things. And it's just, like, you know, this movie was trying to capture, like, how could, you know, what we think is ordinary people, like, ordinary young people, like, who go wrong. And I think this movie shows that, like, kind of... You know, people are fucked up, crazy, whatever, and it's kind of just always there. It's not really like they, they they really go off the deep end. They just have to be put in, I think, the right situation. You know what I mean? Yeah, I mean, everybody's got a snapping point, so yeah. to speak. Like, what do you uh, think of her movie, Suburbia? Oh, I actually like it a lot. I have the DVD of it. Do you the like Roger it? Corman one? Yeah, I have the Roger Corman you know, one. As much as I like it, I thought it could have done without the whole vengeful rednecks after them kind of storyline well yeah like it's uh i would say this was her first really big budget movie i think but um the uh unless i'm wrong let me look at her credits but but suburbia seemed to me more like a um uh it seemed more like a movie that they like, they filmed pieces of, well, I could be wrong, but, it, like, it didn't seem like it had a real budget. Like, it, w- it didn't seem like a professional movie, if that makes sense. Mm-mm, no, it was, like I said, like, I liked the movie itself, but, yeah, that, that subplot there, I, I could have done without. Yeah, let's see. Yeah, she did Decline Western Civilization, 81, 83, Suburbia, 85, Boys Next Door. So, I think, yeah, this was her first movie with a big budget. But I, I totally forgot, this movie actually is written by Glenn Morgan and James Wong, who are actually a pretty famous 
uh, writing duo wrote a lot of the episodes of the original run of the X-Files that people like, and then they they went on to become a filmmaking team. They made um, uh, Final Destination, uh, The One with Jet Li. They made... Yeah, it's like, I really like uh, The One with oh, Jet I lo- Li. Oh, I love The One. I wish, I wish there would have been a sequel. They made the... Um, the remake of uh, what do you call it? Uh, actually, they did two remakes. They did the remake of Willard, and then they did the remake of Black Christmas. Black Christmas. I like the Black Christmas. Yeah. Uh, Willard. I never saw the remake. I never saw the original. To be honest with you, I've only seen the remake of Willard once. To be honest, so, I mean, I don't like. It just seemed kind of like comical to me. Here we have the boys. Um, they first made pretty much turned into Grand Theft Auto once they couldn't get back to their car and the cops started chasing them there so they had a carjack a car now they drove and, the, and I'll give them credit for this being a low budget movie that was actually an awesome chasing up through the you know the parking garages and all that you see now they busted into a mall yeah and I think the smartest move would have I think because I mean they kind of played in the movie like the mall so and this is a huge mall it's the Fox Hills Mall which I'm not sure if it's still there or not. I've actually never been to it, but um, it's like a three-story mall, and there and this movie's in a lot. I mean, this movie, this mall is in a lot of movies, but they kind of play it like they got lost in here and they can't find a way out. But I think if you just would have like literally like they go in like the top of the mall, and if you just would have run to the other end and out one of the main entrances of the mall, I think you could have got out that way, and that would have been the smartest move. You know what I mean? To confuse the thing cops. is, though, at this point they were fucked because the cops would have known who the car was registered to. Oh yeah, I mean, the, I mean, even if they would have got out of this mall, they just would have been like running day to day. You know what I mean? Like if they would have actually got out of this mall, like alive or whatever, like they, Caulfield would have had to keep killing and killing to keep going. You know? Well, now, she though he was probably they were probably out of money by this point. Oh yeah, they're out of money. And, like, they actually go into this, you know, they, if they can get these rifles from the sporting goods store, which I can't tell if this is a real store or not or if they put this fake store together for the movie or what happened, but they think if they get these rifles, they can shoot their way out. In theory, that's sort of a good plan until you realize the cops would unload it on you. Exactly. Because there have been dozens and dozens of cops there. If I mean, there pretty much was already. Yeah, but I mean, I I think this end part of the movie like really captures in a good way though, like that frantic nightmare feeling. I mean, the whole movie is kind of like a bad dream, very surreal. But I think this is really good in capturing that like, okay, you're fucked. Like, you ever had those dreams where you like, you know, maybe not you're doing bad stuff, but like you're you're trying to get out of a bad situation. Like I always have dreams about zombies and shit where you're trying to like get away, find a safe place. Like that's what this end of this movie really reminds me of. It's just that nightmare you can't wake up from. Yeah, I have nightmares, but I don't. I don't always remember what they are. Almost all my nightmares are about zombies for some reason. It's very strange. I've never had horror movie like nightmares. Yeah, I mean, I had some when I was a kid, but it's mostly just zombies. And I have them now. I have one probably every couple weeks, and it's not even like it's so horrible. Like they're they're, they're going to get me. It's just more like the anxiety of trying to get away and find a safe place. I like how they were just Bugs Bunny hiding behind the sign there. The directory. <laughs> yeah, that was awesome. I, I mean, seriously, it's like... I don't know. This is... I mean, it's not like the greatest movie. It's not the most universal movie that like a lot of people will just love. 
But I think this is like a pretty perfect movie for what it sets out to do. You know what I mean? Yeah, and it's and like the like you said, the pacing's real good. I mean, this movie's only got a couple minutes left, and it doesn't feel like we've been in here for an hour and a half. Well, not only that, but like the movie kept changing that whole time, like the situations they were in, and like you know what I mean. It's like you watched his killing skills evolve. Right. And like like even way back when they were like at that party on graduation night, you saw him looking around targeting people. Yeah. But he he was he was smart enough not to do it in his hometown where everybody knew him or there was too many people around. But I think just going to this you know, and you you kind of have that feeling sometimes when you go to a new place. You feel very, it's weird. You feel very anonymous, like nobody knows you. You know, for better or worse. And I think just going to this city, this fucking guy thought that he could prey upon all these victims and not have to ever pay the price for it. You know. Well, he, you know, it had like you said, had he not lost his cool there with the car, he probably would have gotten away with everything. He probably would have, because even though they were looking for the car, like, yeah, they didn't have the license plate or anything, like. If if they just would have drove away, you know, or if, like, he wouldn't have bashed some cars up in the bartender would have called, they would have probably got... I mean, definitely Charlie Sheen, I think, would have got away with all his shit. They should have made the ending where they did get away. Yeah, but, I mean, it's like, you would have to rewrite it to where the cops didn't know the car, you know what I mean? You didn't know. Because Charlie Char- Sheen had a turn on him. Yeah. Like, because Charlie Sheen, like, tries to, like, talk him out of it. He's like, you don't get it, man. Like, you know, they found the car. They they know who we are. You know, we're fucked. You know, that's why he's trying to talk Caulfield, trying to, you know, give themselves up. And Caulfield's saying, no way. You know, give me the gun. I'm out of here. You know, like, like I'll leave you behind. Now. Like, Caulfield really is delusional to the point he thinks he can get out of this, you know. And, like, at this point, Charlie Sheen knows they're fucked, and he's just... You know, if we give ourselves in, you know, but if we keep running, they're going to kill us, you know. That's what Charles Sheen just right there, a big heel turn. Yep. And I think this is, especially for Sheen being an early actor, like he just, he even admits he just got into acting for the money because he had a kid to support. Like he kind of had the chops from the beginning. Like he's pretty solid in this movie. Oh, he's a really good actor. Yeah. I've always said that about him, though. I mean, it's just kind of like Johnny Depp. They're good actors. They just have to find that that one role that they'll get noted for. Yeah. And it's funny because the end of this movie, like the way it's shot and everything, like you'll see it here. He shoots Caulfield. Caulfield's dead. But like the way they take him out in handcuffs and shit, it's actually very reminiscent of the end of Wall Street. It's strange. Was he? No, I can't remember because I, I didn't pay close enough attention was Charlie Sheen in Wall Street too? He it was in a cameo in like a party. Like he literally walked by the camera and looked at either I can't, I can't remember if it was Michael Douglas or Shia LaBeouf, but yeah, he technically was. But he, like his character had nothing to do with the story. Okay, like say well from what I saw, I never saw him referenced in it. So yeah, it was just literally he walked past them in a party and he left. See now, I thought that 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 was bullshit because in real life, I don't think Michael Douglas's character would have went to jail in in the first one. No, no, yeah, I mean, he had too much money. He could have bought. He would have lost a lot of his money, but he could have bought his way out. Well, there of was it. a lot of you know malfeasance and shit, you know, that went on in his 2008 thing, and no bankers, no nobody went to jail. So Sheen would have. He was just a patsy. Yeah, he was a patsy. He would have. You know, the patsies go to jail. 
But here we have the movie, I think, in a very cool way. You know, they start doing the chalk outline of Caulfield, reminiscent of the prank from the beginning of the movie. And we this is very cool. We have some slow motion of Sheen getting taken out. There's even already photographers there, you know, cops taking him out. And the music's very cool here. Um, soundtrack by a guy named Gio, I think is his name. But, uh, like, this, the music here almost sounds like the score from Thief, Michael Mann's Thief, actually. Great movie. Yeah, it is. And then the end even goes to black and white to kind of match the opening black and white credits of, uh, you know, great in it. I love the freeze frame. Now, at the end there, Sheen had a jean jacket, and I always wonder, and the white t-shirt, too, it's very similar to how Martin Sheen dressed in the movie Badlands, where uh, he played, you know, a guy on a cross country killing spree and shit out he played charles stockweather yeah that's right charles so i always I from my town baby oh you're proud of that shit oh no but there's not much that we're known for but right. we're the known of charles stockweather so i always thought that couldn't have been too much of a coincidence at the end that they have sheen dressed just like his dad was in badlands you know what's the deal because they both kind of look like him mm-hmm. it was different moms right no it was, it was same moms Oh. Yeah, like, are you confused by the name thing or something? No, I mean, I get, like, why they, because Estevez is the mom, right? Well, Estevez, no, Estevez is their name, like, their real name, like, the dad, too. Sheen is just the, um, like, back then, if you had, like, a, a name that was too ethnic, like, you had to make a, one to sound white, pretty much, like, your screen name. Gotcha. Or That's what it was. Because uh, Martin Sheen, let me see what Martin Sheen's real name is. And then Charlie, because Charlie was just trying to make a quick buck, you know, and Emilio said, fuck that, I'm using my real name. Like, like he didn't want to cash in on the family screen name, you know what I mean? Emilio got lucky because Repo Man was such a cult hit. <laughs> but I could never understand why Emilio and Charlie were brothers as a kid, but they didn't have the same name. Martin's real name is, and you can see why he changed it, because in YDS, you know, 1960s movie Hollywood, they would never hire him. Martin's real name is Ramon Antonio Gerardo Estevez. Yeah. yeah they would well, she, Emilio doesn't look like an Estevez. Well, you know what's Yeah, it's funny because, like, I, I used to think that, um, you know, because Martin and Charlie had the dark hair, so they kind of look more like. I used to think Emilio didn't look that much like Martin. Now when you see Emilio older, he looks just like Martin. It's weird. Where are you on their movie Rated X? You know, I mean, it is what it is. It's not a good movie. In terms of the subject. See, but I don't think it's a bad movie. I just don't think it's very good because I think the story is boring. You know what I mean? Well, I, I, I mean, I always make the joke. They just filmed it over their weekend. You know, I'm pretty sure they were at least in Charlie's thing fucked up for real. But, yeah, yeah the story was like it sounds good on paper. But, yeah, when you actually go to watch it, it's really not that interesting. It was made for Showtime, too, right? Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, it's not like he had the biggest budget. It was just that was kind of Charlie's acting comeback because like nobody would touch him at the time because of like uh, some I guess the prostitute and drug thing. Now, where are you at on their sister Renee, who starred in the movie Intruder? Intruder, the Sam Raimi or the yeah. Ted Raimi movie, the supermarket slasher. Yeah, and the super. If that's a good movie, but I can't picture her in it. Yeah, her which sh- one was she? I think I thought she was the main girl. Let me see. But uh, she was also played the the nerdy girl that used to be, I think, used to be friends with Winona Ryder and Heather's. 
but like they oh, weren't really uh, friendly. Betty, Betty something, Betty yeah. Sue, Betty Lynn, Betty something was the character's name. Yeah, their sister Renee Estevez, she played, um, she played uh, like the main uh, character. You know, the main girl in Intruder, it looks like. If you remember on another podcast, Heather's was our Valentine's Day show. That is true. Heather's a great movie. It's a great movie. I, it's one of my favorite movies. It, it, probably, it was my favorite movie for a long time. Really? Slater's yeah. awesome in it. He was awesome in everything for a while. He really was. So Pump he, up the volume's good, too. It is. If only we had a show. Yeah. If only there was a place. If only there was an abandoned movie. You know, we've got this, and, and, you know, plus we've got this other website, you know, that we don't talk about much. Yeah. We could just gut it and get rid of all the tenants and just rename it. Okay. Okay. That's something we could do. But, yeah, that's it for The Boys Next Door. Pretty much, uh, you know, there's actually a lot of nightmarish 80s movies about what happens to you when you graduate high school. Less than zero. When you Once you graduate high school, you got to... Uh, Become a male prostitute for cocaine. That's a pretty bad horror story. Or go to college. I think that yeah. was the goal of that. If you go to college, you won't have to turn tricks for coke. Yeah, that's kind of. But yeah, the boys next door. It just. I just think it's really unique. I mean, these guys graduating high school and going on a killing spree. Like, I really can't think of any other movie like it. In all honesty, it's pretty original. Yeah, I was gonna say there's definitely not, uh, and it's very well acted by you oh, know both yeah. the leads. In all honesty, it really is. So, I mean, that's, you know, congr- by the way, congratulations to all the grads of 2016, all the high school grads, college grads, graduate school grads, I don't know, whatever, nursing school grads. Nursing whatever, school. Whatever you graduated from. Barber College. Harvard College. What else? Uh, culinary school? So, yeah. So, thank you for uh, sitting down and listening to talk about one of our favorite movies of the 80s favorite movie of all time one of the favorites of all time for me sure and definitely uh first real glimpse of what sheen could do i think yeah we have to do wall street one day we do and i think we actually almost did it about a month or two ago and then we saw the running time of wall street yeah wall street is a very it, it, it goes by very quickly when you watch it, but right. to actually do a commentary, I think yeah. the movie is well over the two-hour mark. Yeah, I think it is. I think I think we might need some help with that, but I'm not sure exactly who the right man of the job is for that. Cause maybe, maybe the right man is really a woman. That could be, too. That could be. But uh, I, other than me and you, I don't really don't know anyone who's really into Wall Street the way we are, so... No, and I'm not going to start begging for random fans to call in to be a guest. <laughs> no, no. But, uh, but yeah, so Charlie Sheen, you know, it's really unfortunate. I mean, for, you know, health problems, whatever, but even just, you know, I guess his addictions to whatever, it really derailed his career, man. Like, he, I mean, he was definitely one of the greatest actors of the 80s, but I don't know. It kind of fell apart in the 90s, unfortunately. It's really sad, you know. Tiger blood will do that to you. That's right. And Adonis but DNA. Once again, he had Denise Richards. We didn't. It's true. That is true. You have to factor that in when your awesome acting career goes south. If you have Denise Richards, what is it really, you know? But yeah, thanks a lot, everybody, for listening. Thank you so much for all the downloads. We are seeing the increase in downloads for our show. We appreciate it. And uh, a lot of that obviously means that you guys are either finding the episode, liking it, checking out the other ones, or you're telling your friends. So we appreciate it so much. Thank you, everybody. 
And uh, you got anything else, Corey? I don't. I do have a question for you. Now you said it at NXT show. Mm. Who was the two the two girls you saw again? I got to hear the name. I, I actually saw uh, two girls matches. The first one I saw was Bailey versus Nia or Nia Jax. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. Isn't that The Rock's like lard ass cousin? Oh, I, I I don't know, but she looks like like she looks like the Usos and all of them. And yeah, I think she's from that family. She's like fucking really fat, isn't she? You know, she didn't really look that bad on the show that I saw, but then I, I saw some pictures afterwards, and she kind of looked big. So I don't know if she's slimming down now or what happened, but yeah, she's bigger. Dana Brooks hot. Oh, <laughs> right. <laughs> Do we really have to end the show? I guess we're going to end the show on that. Dana Brooke. <laughs> Dana, Dana Brooke, if you're listening. And you know she just, probably is because I mean, look how many downloads we get. She, by chance, she's got to be listening, right? It is. Hit me up on the Facebook. Aren't you, I'll make it a point to log on to Facebook for you, baby. Aren't you married, cousin? Are they going to get you in trouble? She doesn't listen to this show. <laughs> Your wife don't listen I mean, to the show. I mean, okay, you, Dana. Wait a minute. Shut up. If Dana Brooks listening, no, I'm, my wife died in a car accident months oh. ago. Oh, that's harsh. That's harsh. Once again, thank you, retro movie lovers, and congratulations to all the grads of 2016.